Neil deGrasse Tyson is my favorite astrophysicist ever. Shouldn't everyone have a favorite astrophysicist? You should. Great book that he wrote called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. It's a short book and it explains in pretty clear layman's language uh, some of the secrets and mysteries of the universe. Phenomenal stuff. It uh, is a type of reading that for me reinforces my belief in a creator God who is phenomenally beyond our imagination. Neil takes the uh, complex secrets of the universe and brings them to uh, the rest of us in a way that we can easily understand. And I am even more fascinated by the stars in the cosmos. Now I say that because the wise men, the magi, followed a star. They were astrologers. They studied the stars and learned some of the secrets of the heavens. They knew how to navigate by the stars. And they also learned from the stars a little known and well-kept secret. And that is where babies come from. I'd like to share that secret with you if you don't mind. You go out in the evening on a clear night and look up at the sky and you will see stars that you can't begin to count. And those stars are holes in the floor of heaven. That's what they are. The brightness you see coming through those stars is the light of God that passes through those holes. Of course, in the daytime, you can't see them because of the sun, which is also God's gleaming light. But they're there, those holes in the floor of heaven. Now, here's the truth. God makes the babies. God creates the babies. God creates them in his own image, his own likeness. Babies that are long and skinny, short and plump. Well, they look a little like God. Those with olive skin or pasty ivory or even ebony, they look a little bit like God. Infants with black hair with curls as tight as a Brillo pad, or red hair and freckles, or stringy blonde or mousy brown, or those born with no hair at all, look like God. Those cherubs with indoor plumbing or outdoor plumbing, they all look like God. Now, when God makes the babies, they're, of course, crawling all over the floor of heaven. And eventually they find their way to a star, their particular star, their particular hole in the floor of heaven. And that's how they come to earth, through that star. Now don't worry, they don't fall. They float, they soar as they journey from heaven down to earth into the arms of those who will love them and raise them. Now, some babies are in such a hurry to be born that they jump through the stars and go straight to their new home. 
Some babies are a little more cautious, perhaps peering over the edge. Sometimes they need a little encouragement to make the journey from heaven to earth. Others enjoy the journey so much that they take some detours. They explore the mysteries of the universe before settling down. And sometimes so many babies are born that there are delays caused by the sheer numbers like at the airport, which explains why labor is so unpredictable. Now the stars through which they come lend their qualities to the babies. Those who come through Orion are outdoorsy. They're hunters skilled with bow and arrow. Did you know that twins come through Gemini? Strong-willed children through Taurus. Manager types come through Regulus. Musicians come through Capella. And the best and the brightest come through Sirius. And of course, football players come through Leo, the lion. The Magi knew this so long ago. And when they saw the unnamed star in the east, they knew it meant something important. And so they followed it. Now, I hope to never get over my fascination with stars because for me, it's a connection with the sacred. As we look at the evening sky, we see Sirius, which is the brightest star. I bet you thought Polaris was the brightest star, the North Star. No, it's Sirius, the brightest star, and it's dominant in the sky right now. And if we look carefully, we can see both dippers, great and small, resting on the horizon. Now, as the seasons change, so do the constellations in our skies. And these lesser lights give us a glimpse of creation, an invitation to the sacred. And they do give us a frame of reference, of direction. Explorers, wanderers, and wanderers, sailors, have guided their journey by the stars long before printed maps and GPS. They have followed the leading of the stars and they found themselves prepared, ready for almost anything. And so too did the wise men from the east. Now I know we think of them as three, but we don't know for sure how many there were or where they came from or how or even when. But we do know that they heeded the lure of the star in the east and came to pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews. And they brought with them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts fitting for a king, but not so much for a baby. And of course, they returned home by another road to avoid Herod. And we know nothing more about them. Did they follow up over the years? Did they learn about those things that came to pass in the Jerusalem of that time and place? Did they become disciples and spread the word in the East? Did this journey change their lives 
Or did they merely come and pay homage and leave their gifts and move on to other adventures? Now the gifts they bought, not diapers or car seats or anything practical. These gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh foreshadow the grave, but they also were a declaration of faith, an affirmation of faith that this child, this baby, this infant who came through the stars as all the others was not like God, but was God with us in human form. And that led to their epiphany moment, the aha of understanding, of seeing, of believing that in this child was God. And that for us is the gift of the Magi, a simple enough gift by itself, but a gift with great implications. For we have been given the gift of these wise men from the East. They discerned a call from the lure of the stars and they followed that call and completed the task. And those of us today who receive this gift must now also discern the call to follow the lure of the stars, if you will. But like today, the skies are cloudy. Sometimes the directions seem unclear. And so we are once again at an aha moment, a time to hear a declaration of faith and to believe it with all its implications, to live our lives as subject of this king. Ah, yes, this is World Communion Sunday, a poignant day, particularly now that as a people, we are anything but united. We declare our faith in a marvelous creator, a loving redeemer, and a prodding spirit. And we are united in that we are all creatures of God's own hands sent down from heaven through the stars into this place and this time, not simply as gifts, but as disciples, as proclaimers, as followers. Now more than ever in our lifetime, we are called to come together, not just at the table, one with believers across the world, but to come together as people, people of faith, people who can agree to disagree and to do it with all the respect that is due to all of God's creatures, God's creation, God's children. World Communion, of course, began back in the 30s as a symbol of uh, people of Christian faith being united. We gathered at table that one Sunday a year knowing that all our brothers and sisters across the world are breaking bread as we are. But we're united in so much more than that, unless we have just come to visit and leave a few gifts and then go about our daily business. For you see, just as God creates the babies and sends them to earth through those stars, God has called the church to discern, to follow, to bear gifts, not of gold and frankincense and myrrh, but gifts of affirmation of faith, gifts 
for the betterment of all creation and all creatures. And it's a challenging and difficult journey, and it's not over yet, nor will it be soon. I don't have to tell you what a challenging time this is in which we live, but it's all the more reason to remember that the journey that brought each of us through the stars from heaven to earth to this place and time will continue. And as people of faith, we will follow, particularly in times of transition. For certainly the world has changed, the nation has changed, and the church has changed. For months now, we've not been able to gather in person. We've not been able to shake hands or hug. We've not been able to gather and share the table elements of bread and wine. We've not been able to sit and drink coffee and eat donuts and catch up. We now preach to cameras and have our message sent over the internet. It's a different world, a changing world. Took a little getting used to to preach at a camera. But what I discovered at Northville was that more people were participating in worship with the camera than had been in person beforehand. Because people who were in Florida could tune in, people up north could tune in, People as far away as Ontario were tuning in to our worship services. So like the Magi bringing a gift of something new, we have a new gift that will enable us to reach out in more efficient and more effective ways. It's a bit like Pentecost, learning a new language. This church is going through a major transition. You're beginning your studies. God bless you on that journey. The stars will always be there to guide you. There will be distractions along the way. There will be detours. There will be missed turns. There will even be mistakes. But to follow the call, like the Magi, to follow the stars, then the church will thrive as a place of faithful life and proclamation of the wonder of creation, the oneness of all of God's people, the joy of redemption and that invisible force like gravity that keeps us grounded in our walk of faith. So as Greenfield Presbyterian Church's journey continues into tomorrow, be of good faith, be of good hope, be of good cheer, be assured that God leads, Christ redeems, and the Spirit will keep nudging. And so we can say, thanks be to God. And all God's children say, Amen.